Hey everybody and welcome to the latest and greatest episode of the Fangirl Radio Show. I'm your host Jessica Dwyer and I am very excited tonight for our interview segment. Um, we have a duo, uh, Marco Basso and Andy Brown. Uh, they are the directors and writers of the fantastic Star Wars fan film Bucketheads, A Star Wars Story. And that film was so well received and awesome that they are actually making an online series based off of it. And we are stoked to have them on tonight to talk about this, the process they went through to make it happen, and the hope, hope, hope that at some point Disney Plus will get smart and bring these guys on board in order to... uh, create the series on Disney Plus. Um, As of right now, though, it is going to be online and uh, there is a teaser trailer or a trailer for the first season that has hit and it looks amazing. Um, They have taken the story of a a squad of uh, stormtroopers and expanded it and um, it's it's great because we don't really have ever, I don't think we've ever seen, in fact, uh, stormtroopers specifically, but the Empire um, uh, shown as anything other than uh, your typical comic book villain types. Um, you know, they're evil, evil, evil. Uh, but here's the thing. The Empire um, within it are people that are just trying to live. Um, they don't necessarily feel evil in their hearts. They're just part of the empire. And as such, they have to, to be um, involved with it. And um, they're just soldiers. Uh, and this is a, a really neat take that humanizes these characters. And, and you know, I know that um, the newest trilogy did that with uh, Finn, <clears throat> But here you get more in depth. It's not just, um, you know, focused on Ray and you've got Poe Dameron and all of these other characters, but these are just regular, regular Joes for um, one of a better term that are just trying to live. And um, we get to see the inner workings of the empire here. And I'm really excited about that. I think it's going to be really cool to see. And it's neat that um, it seems like that's, it's becoming more, um, with you know what what happened with battlefront you had a character who literally in five minutes switched sides after having been part of the empire for a long time here um in the interview there is a promise made that that is not going to happen here um because that trope has been worn out i think at this point where the bad guy becomes a good guy or you know you flip sides that's just not realistic and so I'm really excited to see how this plays out. Um, friend of the show, Mark Mears in it. Um, he voiced one of the characters in the original film and he is now, um, an actual character character in this and you get to see him briefly in the, in the trailer and we find out a little insight into how that scene happened. But, um, I'm really excited for this and I'm excited for these guys. Um, they are seasoned pros in the, in the realm of cinematography and production. They've worked on a ton of stuff. Um, a lot of, uh, genre, um, work, including the flash, Supergirl, altered carbon um you know there's they they are not uh newbies and they are actual pros so it's great to see that um that 
talent brought to something like this when you know they are um, they're massive fans themselves. So it's really fantastic to see and I'm really again I can't stress enough how excited I am for this because if anything um, The Mandalorian has shown us that there's far more to the Star Wars universe than, you know, what has been shown in the primary films. And that's the case, too, with Rogue One. You know, a lot of times you're going to find a lot more fascinating uh, story with this guy over here for, you know, that you've not seen before or heard from that lives the normal, you know, every day. And it's neat to see that in these places that it sometimes get it gets lost in the grandiose scheme of things so I am really stoked for this I think it's going to be great so with that let's get to our interview um I'll be back next week or um pretty soon Uh, I'm trying to get these out um at least once a month and I'm trying to do it even sooner than that um but you know life the universe and everything happens so I'm trying my best to get you something at least once a month if not more I promise to do better um but I want to um, thank you guys for listening and sticking with us. Um, and I promise to be back with some other goodies soon. So with that, I want to introduce the uh, duo behind Bucketheads, a Star Wars story, and Bucketheads the series, Marco Basso and Andy Brown. And I will see you soon on the next episode of Fangirl Radio. Hey, everybody. I want to welcome my special guests to this episode of Fangirl Radio, um, Marco Boso and Andy Brown, the guys behind the fantastic uh, short film and now series Bucketheads. Hey, guys. Thank you guys for joining us so much. I'm, I'm so excited to talk to you about this project. Hey, thanks for having us. Yeah, we're, we're excited to be on the show. Yes, we are. <laughs> <laughs> and you guys can't see this. They can't see me, but I can see them. And he has an amazing Darth Vader t-shirt on. Um, Marco does. Uh, I love it. I love it so much. So um, yeah. shout out to Shane Molina, who actually designed this t-shirt for uh, one of the local comic book stores here. He's uh, an amazing artist that's been helping us out and uh, tons of uh, local businesses and uh, like-minded people. He's uh, he's truly a talented artist. Is that a TARDIS in there too? Like, is that just a bunch of sci-fi, isn't it? Uh, yeah, the entire um, Darth Vader helmet is made up of uh, characters oh, yeah. that's, from that's He-Man, all sorts of universes. Leia. Yeah, it looks like all sci-fi, everything. Yeah. That's fantastic. Awesome. Um, so if you didn't know their geek pedigree is high, now you do. It's it's very high. If you didn't know. <laughs> got that confirmed. Um, so I'm really stoked to talk to you guys about this because um, a friend of the show, Mark Muir, is in this. And he put me in contact with you guys to talk about this project because uh, I, I absolutely love the short film. And so first question for you. Um, also, before we start, can you talk and give your name? Because it's confusing when I have two people on and no one knows who's talking at the same time. They don't recognize the voice. So, Marco, sure. can you can you say your name? Yeah, for sure. Hi, I'm Marco. And, and, <laughs> and Andy. <laughs> Marco is the German-sounding one. I'm Andy. I am the Sasky boy. Perfect. So, um First question, why has it taken so long for Stormtroopers to get some love? Just for well, 
That's an excellent question. Um, I think the answer is twofold. One, because it's just uh, difficult to portray stormtroopers in a natural way because the costume is very complicated to put together and very difficult to move in. Uh, so there's a number of challenges there in, in bringing uh, stormtroopers to the screen in a convincing way. And the other part is probably because they're just always portrayed as the as the bad guys. So it's it's just not quite as traditional to, to tell a story from their guys' perspective. So, and the other kind of piggybacking on that question, you, you were able to give these characters character, even though they all could be clones. Like that's kind of what was conveyed in the movies, even at some point that they were all kind of clonish. But then we, you've, you've given them individuality. What was the, the, um, what was the, the challenge of directing characters that don't have faces to make them stand out and be unique. And uh, when you were creating the first film. Um, well, I think first off, we, we chose to do a, a Star Wars fan film, the Galactic. To portray stormtroopers as not clones. Uh, the, the clones themselves had their genes altered with, uh, and in one way they, they had their aging process altered so that they could have, they could produce a standing army quicker, but that also means on the reverse side of things, they're going to age out faster. Uh, so during the Galactic Civil War era, uh, regular men and women of the Empire were recruited to fill out the ranks because the clones army was, clone army was aging. Plus, they, they already were very well aware of this uh, weakness that was exploited during Order 66, where you could implant things in clones and then, uh, you know, ultimately control them through the flick of a switch. Where you can't really do that the same way with a, a brainwashed citizen of the Empire. Um, so that's that's sort of why we chose to go with the you know with with non clones. We thought that was a more interesting angle. Um, and then uh, in humanizing them, it, it certainly was a challenge. Um, some of it, it comes from a visual perspective that you need to ensure that you your your audience can pick out who your heroes are in the story apart from the other stormtroopers. So you know we had very easy visual tricks like. Um, the, the stormtroopers crashed in their ship and we painted one of their helmets up with mud so that the audience could tell who who our, our story was about, truly. Um, and then I, I think, you know, as, as with most storytelling, it's hard to to humanize anything without showing a face. Um, you know, we, we as humans relate a lot to that. You put a face on even, this is something Star Wars does all the time, but you put a face on like a droid and then all of a sudden it, it becomes much more human. So it really did require us taking off the helmet at a certain point to to humanize our heroes. Um, but ultimately, we were going for a nitty-gritty story uh, in the Star Wars universe that, that humanizes stormtroopers. And, and in that sense, we wanted to make it as realistic to war as we could that sometimes helmets come off. Uh, and and we, we just wanted to make sure that our, our, our recruited soldiers felt like just that. They had personalities, but they were equally convinced their ideologies were correct. Gotcha. So you've going from a uh, a short feature to a series length that like you're doing. That's a big step. Was that always your goal? And what kind of what's the difference between doing a short film for you as a creator and then the the epicness of a whole series? That's a great question. Um, I don't think when we made the short film we had any specific plans on how we could expand on the project. We just wanted to make this 
see how it goes, see where we could go with it. We definitely wanted to leave it open-ended. Is yes. One thing. We, we, we did agree early. We wanted to be sort of an open-ended story in case yeah. there was the room to do something more. Exactly. And once we saw that it took off and people liked it and we uh, hit a million views on YouTube, we were seriously thinking about how can we expand on that? How can we continue this story? Because it's it's working well. We were really happy with it. Most people seem to like it. Um, and we just thought there was so much more potential to tell a deep story in that setting. The short film was very much just touching on a very um, small moment in the storyline. And uh, we just had so much more to say about that particular topic. So we started just writing out a much larger story. And when we realized the scope of it, we were like, we can't make another short film. It's just not going to be able to, it's not the right medium to tell the entire story. And a feature film is just not really something that is realistically possible in the fan film context. So a series just felt like the natural way to tell the story that we uh, had dreamed up. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Well, and you brought up the fan film base, and that's one thing that I um, wanted to ask about in terms of Star Wars, because Star Wars specifically is really supportive um, about fan base projects, and I really like that. Um, so, and also just for for others out there that are doing them um, and wanting to get into making fan films. What was the process for you in creating the first one? Because you you got like you know you Mark's name got added to it. You've got his a uh, uh, voice talent that is in there. You've got professional actors. How was it for you to to create a fan based film? And what was the process like? Um, we we're very fortunate, and we recognize that that we both work in the film industry up here in in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Uh, it is it is a very solid industry right now, or I suppose right now, actually, it's, a, it's dried up as it has everywhere. But leading into the pandemic, things were going very well up here in Vancouver. Um, and we recognized that, that we had a great amount of support and opportunity to reach out to professionals because of the work that we'd done in our, in our own careers in that sense as film technicians. Um, so that was a really good base to, to start with. Uh, and then I think ultimately, again, it was just drawing sort of from the assets that we had uh, available to us to come up with the short film. So we, Mar- Marco very much coming into this was a much bigger Star Wars fan than I was. Not that I didn't like Star Wars, but that I, I just appreciated sci-fi in general uh, and, and good storytelling and whatnot, which there's plenty of that in Star Wars. Um, so I, I grew for my love of Star Wars as this project continued on. Uh, but in the beginning, it started with the fact that Marco was joining the 501st Legion. This was a oh. group of individuals who are extremely passionate about uh, yes. on-screen accurate uh, costuming, and mm-hmm. that was an immense boon to the the you know availability to do this kind of a project for us. Yeah, and in terms of uh, getting people like Mark Mir involved, it really just things fell in place after we just started making this project so with with mark in particular it just happened we happened to have that connection just happening at the right time we already had filmed the the, the short film so when we reached out to him we had something to show it's just like hey we, we want to make a fan film it's just like here is the fan film do you want to be in it and um it ended up being a a purely purely a voice role so he recorded some dialogue for 
the the captain character who is played on set by one of our 501st Legion members. But I, I, I would say he probably just really liked what, what we were doing. And since he could already see the quality of it, he agreed to be in it. Yeah, to just to quickly bring it back, I guess, to anyone else who's listening that wants to do fan films or is in the process of making their own. Um, something we continue to do uh, and keep at the forefront of our minds and that we did very well for the short film and that helped us get Mark and other, other talented individuals like that is have something to show. We made <clears throat> sure that we weren't approaching individuals who had real uh, you know, credits to their name and things like that without something valuable to show them, without a story ready to go, without um, some imagery ready to show them. We made sure every step of the way as we continue to do that we are spending the time in pre-production curating a valuable project and valuable things to show people so that they have reason to jump on board with us. Got it. And so I got to ask, was that his own Stormtrooper outfit? In Because <laughs> I know he cosplays his own characters, which is great. But was that his own costume that he had and brought? Or was that something that someone had that he is wearing in the new series? I'm so, just curious because I got to give him crap about that. <laughs> that is a, a great story, actually. So the section that Mark appears in, in the teaser, we recorded in September 2019 in a Holiday Inn Express hotel room oh in God. Atlanta, Georgia, during, during Dragon Con. Very small room. <laughs> yes. Yeah, You couldn't tell from the visual effects that we... That spiced is it up amazing. with. That's right. But the um the the outfit he was wearing was actually my own personal stormtrooper armor that I brought to the con con convention. And Mark and I are pretty much exactly the same height and build, so that that just worked out. So. That is fantastic. So, how did you become a member of the five hundred first? What's the process for that? Because that's that's fantastic. Yeah, totally. Um, there's only one criteria for joining, which is you need to have a Star Wars costume that's screen accurate, meaning it not only needs to look right, it needs to specifically look right on your body. You need to build it for yourself. So my journey was uh, not flawless. I first bought a kit <laughs> off of eBay because I didn't know any better, and it wasn't quite right. It was an old mold that was just not quite screen accurate, and I built it on my own with no prior experience on how to really build anything. So that was certainly a fun adventure. I'm sure Andy remembers how Time consuming the smell. The smell. When you're banging rivets into a house, it, it shakes the whole house. Yeah, anyway, um, once I had the costume put together, I finally had the courage to reach out to the Fafnir first. Because at first you're just like, oh, these guys are scary. They, they're elitist. They have all these super cool costumes and mine isn't good enough. So I need to build it until it's good enough and then I can finally show it. And that was all just the wrong approach. What I should have done was reach out to them first and like, hey, I want to join you. How do I do it? Um, once I did reach out, they just told me, hey, this costume just isn't up to our standards. Uh, but here's where you can go to get the right resources to, to build it up to standard. And we're going to help you. Okay. So once I realized that these guys are super friendly and super open and willing to help because they just love Star Wars and love costuming, uh, it was just a really great experience. So it took me another, like, I think two months to get a new just plastic kit of all the Stormtrooper pieces. And then I had help from so many generous members that uh, just helped me and guided me through the process and helped me put it together. And I think that was back in 2016. 
and I joined, been, and yeah. uh, it's been honestly one of the greatest uh, things in my life. Oh, that's fantastic. So uh, one question I had for both of you, and I think it's probably going to be deeper for, for you, Marco, is how did Star Wars kind of mold the career paths that you chose? Because I know a lot of people that began that saw this film as a child and were like, I want to make that. How do I do that? And I'm curious how that kind of made you choose the paths that you have gone through and, and led to where you're at now. Yeah, I don't. I, I I think it's probably relatively similar for the both yeah. of us because I know that we're both just very, uh, we're both very driven. We're both very visual oriented, and we're both uh, keen filmmakers, I suppose, in the sense that Star Wars is is amazing for a number of reasons. Uh, they've got such a, a massive, well fleshed out universe with a multitude of stories within it. Really, um, you know, I, I think it's. It's uh, an exceptional piece for any filmmaker or wannabe filmmaker to look at and say, hey, I want to I wanna do the same thing. I want to inspire people in the same way. I want to create a universe that's this big that people can not only look at our primary story, but build their own stories out of. Um, that's a really cool, inspiring thing. For myself, it, it didn't necessarily start with Star Wars. Um, I, I think it just started with good film in general. I was seeing movies before I even understood how to tell a proper story, before I understood what that narrative meant, what themes were, what character arcs were. Um, and just, you know, again, telling that Star Wars had something exceptional that not every film carries with it. Um, and then again, uh, you know, for creating, for, for our, our careers, I suppose, and how it's affected us, um, just knowing as a, I guess, trying to do, to, to create a film intelligently in the sense that we looked at what assets we had and what kind of stories we were able to tell, being that we're just working individuals. We didn't have a lot of, you know, like money that we, we were born with or anything like that. It was all just stuff that we'd worked for. Um, so we just, we just recognized early on that we had some good ties with Star Wars and that there were a lot of, uh, exceptional individuals who were, working in the 501st or we're also in love with star Wars, but we're other film professionals in their own right. And we, we just sort of leveraged that to uh, jumpstart our careers. I think. Yeah. I, I wholeheartedly agree with that sentiment. I guess the only thing I can add to that is that um, for me personally, star Wars definitely inspired me to pursue a career in filmmaking. Like I, I just remember specifically when I was a teenager, I must've been like around 14 or so. I read a ton of Star Wars books. And at the time, like, I just, I, I imagined what this would look like as a film in my head. <laughs> and that's when it just clicked. And I was just like, that's what I want to do. I just want to, I just want to visualize stories that I care about and that I, that, that I feel, um, feel things about. Yeah, have, have merit, have merit, have merit. <laughs> yeah. Like, again, before, yeah. you, know, you mean you want to care about your story? <laughs> Right? What a concept. Well, before, before you even can understand, like, you know, some people go to school for script writing or storytelling and they really get an in-depth knowledge of what it is, but it doesn't take that kind of knowledge to see a good story. That's why, that's why there are formulas to stories that work and that everybody enjoys and that excel when they're taken to the screen. You don't have to understand it to enjoy it. That's right. Well, I was just talking to someone today about the fact that I saw Space Hunter Adventures in the Forbidden Zone when I was eight years old in the theater in 3D. And it's like when you're young and you see something like that, it sticks with you, even if it's Space mm -hmm. Hunter, where Richard, you know, like, uh, is it not Richard Lynch, but uh, you, you've, you've got 
these characters and these aliens and this scary crap going on on screen and you don't understand half of it, but it sticks with you and, and you keep, you keep coming back to that kind of thing in your life and, and it builds your fandom, which it's kind of weird, but true. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, before, you know, well before again, I knew even that I wanted to do filmmaking, watching movies like aliens or alien, uh, you know, it, it was, Exceptional, and I couldn't tell you why because it scared the crap out of me. But exactly. I could tell that there was something awesome here. You know, there was something really worth watching over and over and over, even though it scared me a lot. Oh yeah, well, and kind of, kind of going off of that, how you know, with the Mandalorian now, that how is the success of that affecting this project for you? Because you know, it's focusing on a lesser known group of characters from the Star Wars universe, which is what you're doing with this, which I love. I love the fact that you're giving this the Stormtroopers, you know, attention because they've been there. They're, they're iconic. And mm-hmm. um, how is that kind of affecting how you're playing through the series for this? I don't think the Mandalorian is specifically affecting how we wrote the series or what we're doing with it. Uh, on a story level, but uh, it certainly informs of uh, what Star Wars can be and what uh, Lucasfilm is planning to do with it in in the future. I think our biggest takeaway from the Mandalorian is more the the technical aspects surrounding mm-hmm. it, the way they 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 filmed it, which was with uh, just some really exciting technology that we're exploring as as well. I know how familiar you or the the audience here is with uh, what they've been doing on the Mandalorian, but essentially, they worked a lot with virtual sets mm-hmm. where instead of shooting it on a green screen stage, they shot it on a stage that was surrounded by... by Curved um, LED walls. Yeah, by, yeah. by video walls where they essentially live projected virtual environments. So that just created a, a ton of artistic freedom in the setting that you uh, choose to put your story in. Mm-hmm. And uh, on the day, you can just make changes you can fix stuff you can just you're a lot more flexible um so we're currently experimenting with that same technology and we hope that we can utilize it for the bucket series as well yeah and i think just the only thing i'd add to that is that the one thing that it really did uh reinforce in our minds because it was something that we already had felt is that star wars fans are ready for new you know, they, the yeah. Disney came out with this new trilogy as well, which was very formulaic as to the way they've already told Star Wars. It, it tried to embellish further a story that many felt was already well fleshed out and did not need further storytelling. Um, and then you take a look at something like The Mandalorian. That's an entirely new thing set during the Galactic Remnant period. Uh, and and that's it's gotten such good praise. It's it's so original, so unique. The music is no longer the classic John Williams scores you are so familiar with. Yeah. Um, but it works. It's really cool. It's 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 engaging. So it just kind of reinforced, I think, in our own minds that people are ready for change. People want to explore um, new eras of Star Wars. They want to explore new settings, new stories. And that we're very familiar with the good and bad, black and white that Star Wars has always portrayed. And I think people are ready for a little bit something new as well. Something something that kind of gets more into the gray tones of it all. Got it. Yeah. And so one thing I wanted to ask about, I, I, I got two more questions. Mm-hmm. First one is, um, in terms of the story... Uh, what are you expanding upon? Because I love, I love the trailer. I want to know more about these characters. You've, you've got me peaked on curiosity here. Can you talk about that at all without 
spoiling anything because <laughs> I know how big a deal that is. <laughs> I think so. I think so. There's, Absolutely. There's definitely some stuff we can we can talk about. So we have announced already that the setting is really uh, during the end of the Galactic Civil War when the Galactic Remnants uh, period sort of comes about. Uh, our backdrop really begins with the Battle of Endor where Death Star 2 is destroyed uh, and it leads into the Battle of Jakku, which is sort of the end of the Empire as we know it during the Galactic Civil War, uh, and, and leads into what becomes the First Order. So that's sort of the backdrop that we're setting this whole thing in. Um, there are some familiar characters involved in the story to Star Wars fans that we've already announced. We have Ray Sloan, who's a woman of color that ends up leading a very large uh, portion of that Galactic Remnant. Um, we also have Gallius Rax, who was a uh, underling to Palpatine at a certain point, uh, and then equally began leading a portion of the Galactic Remnant. After ousting Sloan. And After ousting Sloan, yep. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, with, with those characters involved, we're still very much trying to focus it in on our original squad of Stormtroopers, Nova Squad. Yeah, uh, we're, and, we're following the same squad from the from the short film and our main stormtrooper from the short film, Torrance Serretta, is still the protagonist mm. of our story and we are very much following his journey in that very tumultuous time for the Empire. I think it's important to mention too, something that, that the fans have resonated over and over through a great many comments on all our social medias is that they do not want a turncoat story. They are tired of seeing the stormtrooper who recognizes he's bad turns over to the good guys and fights against the Empire. <laughs> Um, we hear that comment. We don't want that either. And while we can't tell you what happens, we can tell you this is not a traditional turncoat story, and we're exploring a different avenue. Got it. That's I, I'm I'm very excited. And I just have to say, and I know you've you've heard this before. Um, is Troy Mundell really can? Is he a cousin of Ryan Reynolds, or is <laughs> I mean, like for real though? <laughs> He gets that a whole lot, doesn't he? Everybody yeah. thinks like, he took looks his like face Ryan. and put him on. I think I see it now too, but yeah, it never hit me until he started getting all those comments that he's he's a distant cousin of Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, maybe maybe we should just say, hey, we got Ryan. Yeah. yeah. All you have to do is like, yeah. I mean, you could you could. Do, I would be curious to see if Ryan Reynolds would support you, like be a sponsor with his gin. <laughs> I've, I've put that call out on just about every podcast or thing we do Ryan Reynolds is a Vancouver guy as well yes. we're in Vancouver <laughs> like if he wants to partner up we are happy to work with him that's fantastic um, so my last question you've probably been asked this a lot but I'm I'm curious I want to see if I can go deeper with it if you could have one character in the, in the entire Star Wars franchise and in all the films uh, in this in this series Played by the actor, who would it be and why? We have never gotten that question that's a before. Totally fresh question. Yeah. <laughs> so that's really interesting. If we could have one character that exists in the Star Wars series oh, into our film, I am biased. The original <laughs> I just I want Mark Hamill. I don't even care. I just, that's fair. <laughs> that's very fair. I, I don't even care. <laughs> I think. I, I would really like, I don't know how we could fit him in, in the sense, like, the, the time periods don't make sense and everything, but if I didn't have to worry about that kind of stuff, I would love to get, like, Qui-Gon Jinn as, as younger Liam Neeson. Oh my god, that would be amazing. That too. would be, yeah. he's always been one of my favorites, because he's very much like the Jedi who represents the good, but he's not opposed to, again, taking sort of that gray path to the, to the good end, right? Like, he cheats in a dice game for the right reasons. 
Um, I always thought he was such a cool mind character. Mind screws with people <laughs> just because he yeah. can. <laughs> yeah. And he's just, he was always, I mean, his, his, his battle technique and everything too, right? When he's fighting Darth Maul and Darth Maul is this like hatred, rage filled individual and, and, and those, those energy shields close between the two and Qui-Gon just like sits down for a calm little moment to himself. <laughs> he just, he's got a really cool style. I always loved Qui-Gon Jinn. Yeah. Uh, just real quick. The reason that I'm also just, uh, I would absolutely love to work with Mark Hamill in any capacity because he just seems like the, the best person of all time he like he's just such a great guy and i actually got this close to working with him once um i worked on the flash season three and he was on the flash season two right so if i just would have joined the series like a couple months earlier i actually would have been able to work with him and this will never stop bothering me because i think (laughs) that was probably my only chance and and i missed it (laughs) if we got big enough who knows hey i'm thinking that disney plus should pick you guys up i'm not even lying i think that would be freaking great honestly (laughs) we have entertained that thought so many times i think it just it ultimately comes down to a risk reward kind of scenario where if we approach disney we immediately become on the radar they can no longer choose to ignore us Whereas if we don't put ourselves on the radar, it's sort of like, oh, we didn't know about them. <laughs> That's great. Um, I would get I asked, did you see Mark Hamill on What We Do in the Shadows, the series? No, I, I've I seen, seen the yet, no. I've seen the original, uh, which I absolutely adore, a, but I haven't seen the series yet. He's a vampire in it, and it is the most awesome thing. Him and Matt Berry almost a lightsaber fight and then he just tosses the the piece of wood aside he just he he just goes yeah that's amazing you you guys need to check it out you'll 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 pee yourself a little bit i think watching it just uh, (laughs) just a little bit we we, both marco and i know uh, a director of photography in town here by the name of peter and and i on a show i used to work on with one of the dolly grips every time he would join us on set for like a day call or something from the original, there's there's the really old vampire Peter. Peter. Yeah, so we every time we'd see him on set, we'd just go Peter, Peter. <laughs> oh, I just love the original one. It's a Taika Waititi is, is he's a god. He is a god yes, man. I've I've truly. decided. Well, guys, yeah. thank you so so much. This is fantastic. I am so excited to see this series come to life, and it looks like it's in great hands with you both. And just beautiful stuff that you've done with what you've you know what you've created already so thank you so much thank you yeah thank you and and thanks for having us uh extremely uh, appreciate bringing us on and and letting us talk about what we do oh yeah no and uh i can't wait to like i said i can't wait to see it and share this with everybody because a lot of the people i've shown the footage to are just so excited and um yeah i i just can't wait to see it so thank you again and um good luck on your careers man hopefully disney plus That would be so great. (laughs) Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Thank you so much.